As we open God's word together, let's ask him to bless it to us. Let's pray. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer us, for we are poor and needy. Gladden the souls of your servants, for to you, O Lord, do we lift up our souls. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to our prayer, and listen to our plea for grace. Teach us your way, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth and unite our hearts to fear your name. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. And please turn with me in God's word to the book of Daniel, chapter 9. Daniel, chapter 9. We're going to consider this text in connection with our study on prayer. Daniel, chapter 9. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to read the first 23 verses. Ending just before the end of verse 23. So Daniel chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And let's pay careful attention, for this is God's own word. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by by descendant Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books... The number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness But to us open shame, as at this day the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Israel, and to all Israel, who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. 
And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill. Because for our sins and for the iniquity of our, iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Thus far, the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Um, This is a wonderful example of prayer, um, of a prayer of a man of God praying to God earnestly for God's people, for God's forgiveness, confessing sin, praising God's name. We have all of the many parts of prayer that we want to see in prayer uh, demonstrated for us here. It's a wonderful prayer that we are given here. And this is a, an important word for us to understand and meditate on because we're in a world that talks a lot about prayer, I think, but knows very little about it. Um, almost any time a tragedy happens and you watch a news report of it, they will always say something like, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to the victims of this tragedy. Um, and, you know, from a theological perspective, I always think, well, you know, I'm not sure my thoughts can really do anything for anyone. I mean, it's, it's good to have compassion on those, to mourn with those who mourn. That's certainly a, a right and proper response to tragedy. Um, but thoughts don't really do something for people. And I wonder how many times someone mentions prayer without knowing anything about prayer at all. Um, I think it's popular to talk about it. I'm not sure people know about it. I think many misperceptions about prayer in our culture abound. I remember a few years ago coming across a book that I thought had a very interesting title. It was called Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers. Help, Thanks, and Wow. And I was sort of intrigued by that because I thought there's a certain sense in which those are good prayers, right? Um, Those are prayers that express their supplications, Lord, help. Uh, They express gratitude, right, thanks, um, and express adoration, wow. And so I thought, well, maybe this this book will have something uh, to help with in thinking about prayer. And the book sounded kind of promising until I started reading it. Um, And then it was very disappointing because the foreword of the book starts this way. 
The first thing the author says is, I do not know much about God and prayer, which is not a promising beginning to a book on prayer. Um, But the author goes on, but I have come to believe that over the past 25 years, there's something to be said about keeping prayer simple. Help, thanks, wow. Um, And how is prayer defined? It's defined this way. It is a communication from one's heart to that which surpasses understanding. Let's say it is communication from one's heart to God. Or if that is too triggering or ludicrous a concept for you, to the good, the force that is beyond our comprehension, but that in our pain or supplication or relief, we don't need to define or have any proof of any established contact with. Let's say it's what the Greeks called the really real, what lies within us, beyond the scrim of our values, positions, convictions, and wounds. Or let's say it is a cry from the deep, within the life or love, with capital L's. Um, This is going down a very dangerous path. If you're taking notes, don't, this is not good things to think about prayer. Um, But my, my jaw really dropped when I read this next part. Nothing could matter less what we call this force. Let's not get bogged down to, on whom or what we pray to. Let's just say prayer is communication from our hearts to the great mystery or goodness to the animating energy of love we are sometimes bold enough to believe in, to something unimaginably big and not us. For convenience, we could just say, God. Um, My three prayers are variations on help, thanks, wow, that's all I ever need besides the silence, the pain, and the pause sufficient for me to stop, close my eyes, and turn inward. Um, Now I'd submit the author's wrong about almost everything she says here about prayer. But I read that because I think that captures what most people think about prayer. Um, It's turning inside of yourself to try to connect with whatever that unnamed spiritual power is. And I thought it was interesting that she said, nothing could matter less whether you know what that is, have a name for it, or really comprehend it. Um, And I think what what it shows is that our culture thinks of prayer as being primarily therapeutic. It's just a good thing to do. It makes you feel better to do it. Um, It's not really in the calling out and the granting of prayers that you find help. It's just in the calling out. Um, And and if it's just in the calling out, then it doesn't matter who you call out to. If it's just a sort of therapeutic, cathartic thing we do for ourselves. Um, And I also think she captures what most people think, that prayer is to some kind, in a sense, a turning inward. Um, sort of tapping into that power that's already connected to you. Um, of course, fallen creatures love believing the lie that we are God um, and that we can connect with the divine in us. And I thought, how wrong that is in how she expresses it and how the world expresses it. Nothing could be more important than knowing who it is you're praying to. Nothing could be more important than knowing who the God is, who is the God of heaven and earth, and who sent his Son into the world. Jesus came to make the Father known. And God in his amazing grace has made his great name known to his people. So that our prayers aren't just shouts in the dark to the great unknown or the great nothing. But they're direct addresses to someone we actually know. And we know who he is, and we know where he is, and we know what he thinks about us. It's the kind of prayer that we see Daniel offering. 
Does Daniel just throw up Hail Mary prayers as just, you know, long shots, hoping that someone out there in the dark is listening? No, what, what is his prayer? We see it in verse 4. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He knows the God that he's praying to. He knows about him. He knows what he's done. He knows what he's like, and he's connected to him. His prayer in verse 20 is, O Lord, my God. And we see that prayer is not just some cathartic exercise, some therapeutic thing. I, I chose this prayer to look at in connection with the catechism because it's answered in such a marvelous way. Um, not all of us, when we pray, have angels come to deliver the response. Um, an angel comes to deliver the response to prayer, but I love what the angel says to him in verse 23. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Um, you know, the sad thing about praying to an indistinct force that you don't know is not just that you don't know who you're praying to, but you don't know how it feels about you. Um, what a wonderful thing for this angel to bring a message to Daniel and to have part of that message be, you are greatly loved by the God who sent me. In fact, you didn't even need to finish your prayer before the word went out. Do you notice that? The word went out while he was still praying. Um, it's, it's a long prayer. Uh, boys and girls, you know that we often pray long prayers. And I know when I was little, it was hard to pray to pay attention to the whole long prayer um, we all struggle with that. Um, and this is a long prayer that Daniel prays. But one of the amazing things that the angel comes and tells him is that at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. You couldn't even get it out before it was answered. Before the Lord sent me with a message in response to your prayer, for you are greatly loved. Um, that Daniel in his need turned to God who he knew. And that God answered that God heard, um, that when he called upon the God he knew, that God answered him. Um, and so we need to understand prayer. Prayer is not cathartic, just cathartic. It's not just a calling out in the dark. It's not just a releasing of the tension of the moment and just shouting it out and getting it off our chest. It's actually a speech that's directed to a God who hears and a God who helps and a God who loves. And so we need to think about as Christians, prayer. To pray not as the world would have us pray, but as God would have us pray. Um, as, as we see Daniel praying here, uh, we want to pray that same way. So in connection with prayer, we need really to answer three questions. Why is it necessary for us? If it's not primarily cathartic, what, what are we doing in prayer? Um, how are we to pray? That's the second question we need to answer. And finally, what are we to ask for? What kind of prayer is pleasing to God? Um, that's what I want to think about. Why is prayer necessary? How are we to pray? And what are we to ask for? Uh, that's how this Lord's Day helps us to break down prayer. Why do Christians need to pray? Um, question 116 is very helpful. Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit 
only to those who continually and with heartfelt longing ask God for these gifts and thank him for them. Um, One of the interesting things Daniel says is that he was reading Jeremiah, and he read in Jeremiah that after 70 years passed, the the years that were determined by God for judgment, um, after those years passed, God had said, if you pray and turn your face to me again, um, I will relent. And Daniel's reading his Bible, and he thinks to himself, the 70 years have passed. I wonder if anyone's prayed. Um, And so Daniel undertakes to pray for the people, to pray this wonderful prayer of confession um, on behalf of God's people. He recognizes that God has commanded them to pray and that they have a great need. Uh, That God has commanded them to pray according to their need. What did they need? They needed relief from captivity. Um, And this, this reminds us we don't need relief from captivity in the same way they did as Christians, but that we do have needs. And the first thing we need prayer for is so that we can express our gratitude to God for all that he's done. Um, This is the chief part of the thankfulness that we owe to God. This is is the, the chief part of thanksgiving in the Christian life. How do we thank God for the salvation that he's provided for us in Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing we should do, the most important thing we should do, the, the starting point we should always begin with is by saying thank you to him. In one sense, this is very kind of, this sort of first day stuff, right, about, about prayer. It sort of makes sense. What is, what is the first thing we need to do to show gratitude to God? It's to say to God, thank you. Um, it's to say to God, thank you for what you've given to me, what you've done for me. Um, for who you are and who you've always been for your people. Sometimes we make these things too complicated. You know, what do we do in regular life when some, somebody does something for us? How do we express gratitude? We say to them, thank you. Um, and, and that's what we're reminded of in the Christian life, that the most important thing we can do is thank God for who he is and who he is for his people. That in the midst of Daniel's confession of sin and their sins were great. I mean, he he doesn't pull any punches in confessing the sin. He lays it out as being as bad as it is. But he also thanks God for who God is and who God has always been for his people, who God has been for his people in the past. You know, what what a wonderful relief it is to be reminded as someone who was in captivity that God was a God who'd freed people from captivity. That God was a God who had led his people out of Egypt by his mighty hand and just as easily could lead his people out of Babylon with a mighty hand. Um, We can be reminded of that, the great truths that are ours as God's people. Um, Thanksgiving is just that. It's acknowledging and magnifying the benefits that we've received from God and thanking him for every good gift that he has given to us. Um, James reminds us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Our lives, our salvation, our testimonies to God's goodness to us. 
And it's through thanksgiving that we can be reminded just how much God has given to us. And because we are a needy people, right, the, the catechism goes on to remind us that we, we have continual needs. We need God's grace. We need his Holy Spirit. And we need to continually be asking him for these things. Um, we are reminded that we're a needy people. And so in our need, it's good to be reminded of how God has provided for our needs in the past. As an encouragement to remind us that God who has provided for us will continue to provide for us. I was just reading this week, uh, rereading Calvin's uh, treatise on the necessity of reforming the church. And one of the things he talks about needing reformed is the practice of prayer. See, it's so sad, he said in our day, that the church is always turning to saints and everybody else, and we've done that so much that we forget to make it our instinct to turn to Christ. And that we, we rob him of his glory as being the intercessor that that we have and the only one we need, and we neglect the fact that God who has promised to hear and answer our prayers stands willing not just to hear, but has undertaken to grant us our prayers. Right? That's the glory of what God has done. He's come to us and said, whatever you ask in the name of my son, I'll give to you. See, it doesn't just say pray. He promises to give what we need. He's undertaken to meet our need out of the abundance of his power. And yet we turn to other people who can't help. Uh, We need to pray for him. Uh, Pray to him for what we need. Because he's not only promised to hear our prayers, but he's promised to give all those things that we need for body and for soul. And when we begin to think about what we need for body and soul, the lists of needs grow. Maybe when we're younger, we kid ourselves into thinking we don't need as much for the body. We mostly need things for the soul. Um, But as we grow and go on, we recognize how much we need for body and soul. And the more we think about God's manifold gifts and kindnesses to us, uh, the more we can think about just how much we've been given and just how needy we are. If you drove here any distance through the rain, think about what could have happened to you on the road and didn't. Um, and why it didn't happen to you on the road. It's not just because you drove well. It was because the Lord watched over you. And the more we think about that, the more we think about how God has provided for us in many ways, the more we recognize how how needy we are as a people. Um, How temporary our lives are and just how much we need God's provision for us. Then we can begin to pray like the psalmist prays. Uh, We read in Psalm 28, verse 1, To you, O Lord, I call my rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down in the pit. If you don't hear me, my life won't go on. Um, Or Psalm 86, verse 1, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. As we begin to pour out our needs to the Lord for body and soul, we remind ourselves just how needy we are just how needy we are in terms of the need for God's grace and Holy Spirit to provide our needs for body and soul. And that will encourage us to keep on praying. The more we think about our needs, the more reminded how much we need, the more we'll be reminded how much we need to continue to pray. Um, And how much we have a God who's promised to hear our prayers. Um, Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Which of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give you good things? Or give good things to those who ask him? Cumberland said, not praying is like knowing where buried treasure is and not digging it up. He said, how foolish would we be if we knew there was gold buried in a field and we just left it buried? And he said, that's what we're acting like when we don't pray. God has promised to undertake and to grant our prayers, to give us what we ask of him. Why wouldn't we ask? You know, we might get in might want to, you know, be so reformed that we take this time now to say, now of course this doesn't mean that God is, you know, like a gumball machine you put in your quarter and you, you get the candy, you know, that he, he doesn't necessarily give us everything that we ask for. Well, because we should be always praying that his will would be done um, and know that he knows better than we know what we need. Um, but I think sometimes when we immediately go to that reaction, we almost apologize for asking for the things that he tells us to ask for. And God tells us to pray for what we, what we need. Tells us to pray big prayers because he's a big God. Um, one of my pet peeves is when we use the word just too much in prayer. Lord, I just ask for this. I just ask for that. Um, it's a habit we, a lot of us have fallen into. And I'm not trying to pick on anyone. Um, I've done it myself too. But what that kind of way of praying indicates is God is somehow holding his gifts really close-fistedly. And so if I, if I just ask him for a little thing, then maybe he'll give me that little thing. But it seems to me Jesus comes and says, ask God for big things. Because he's able to give you far more than you can ask or imagine. Um, and when he says there's always more grace... Even if you come to him and say, I need a lot of grace, Lord, he'll say, that's fine, you may have it. And if we have to come back tomorrow and say, you know what, it turns out I need even more grace than I thought, he says, you may have that too. There's always more grace. He gives more grace for his people. You can't out-ask God. You can't out-kick your coverage when it comes to prayer. God can always give you more than you can ask for. We just always have to remember to ask him to do according to his will and that his will would be done, not ours. But we're encouraged to pray. We're encouraged to pray and to make that the first thing that we do. The first and foremost thing that we do in our lives. John Bunyan once said, there's any number of good things you might do after you've prayed. But until you pray, there's nothing better you can do. Uh, Prayer should be the first impulse of the people of God. And everything should begin with prayer. When Paul gives Timothy instructions for worship in 1 Timothy 2, he says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. What's the first thing they're to do? To pray. That's to be the chief part um, of our prayers. I'm giving Calvin a lot of airtime, but he said, What is the purpose of praying but to confess that whatever good is to be obtained resides in God and is to be sought humbly from Him? What higher form of praise is there than to acknowledge that God is the giver of every good thing? 
So if that's why we need to pray, then how are we to pray? That's what question 117 asks. How does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us? Well, first we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed himself to us in his word, asking for everything he's commanded us to ask for him. Second, we must fully recognize our need and mercy so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. So the author we read earlier tried to summarize things with help, thanks, and wow. Um, I'd like to summarize this with truth, humility, and confidence. Uh, That's not unique to me. But truth, humility, and confidence, that's how we are to pray. We're to pray in truth. We're to pray to the God that we know. That's what God is looking for, worshipers who know, who know him, and who worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus does with the woman at the well in John 4. He settles a worship dispute that's been long-standing between the Samaritans and the Israelites and says, you're wrong. You Samaritans who've been worshiping the way you've been worshiping, you're wrong. Um, John 4, 22 through 24, Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is not just concerned with sincerity. He's concerned with truth. Right? Truth without sincerity is no good. But sincerity without truth is no good. Um, We have to be sincere and worship him in truth. Um, No one can come to the Father except through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Um, You have to come to God through Christ. That's what he says, right, in John 14, well-known words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? You, you can't pray in a way that the Father hears if you're not praying in Jesus' name. That's the only name by which there is access to the Father. We have to pray in truth. We also have to pray in humility. We have to know our need and our misery, and we have to know the glory of the God to whom we pray. Um, as long as I'm airing grievances about my pet peeves when it comes to, to prayer. Using just is too much, and I hate it when I do it myself. And I know that I do it, um, that we shouldn't, shouldn't pray that way. But also, I don't like being rushed into prayer. I don't like when people pray quickly. I like being given some time to assemble myself before I'm rushed into the presence of the Almighty. Because He's a great God, and I am a needy sinner. Um, And and prayer is never something we should be engaging in flippantly or without due thought. Um, I have to do that sometimes in my own prayers, kind of stop and back up again and say, I think I'm not in the proper state of mind to really comprehend what I'm doing here. 
that I'm going before the Almighty God in my prayer. Um, We need to know something of the God who we are worshiping. Um, And that comes across clearly in how Daniel prays. He knows exactly who he's praying to. He calls him, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. To the Lord, our God, belongs mercy and forgiveness. He's confirmed his words. The Lord is righteous in all his works, in all that he has done. He has a sense of who God is as he approaches his throne. And he knows clearly who they are and who we are as those who are approaching. We've sinned against you. We've done what you commanded us not to do. And when you sent prophets to tell us we were doing things you'd commanded us not to do, we didn't listen to them. This is exactly what you said would happen to us if we broke covenant with you and we broke covenant with you. You told us you'd pour out this wrath on us and we didn't listen. And when you sent people to turn us away, we didn't listen. We walked right into it. This is exactly what you promised. You just fulfilled exactly what you told us would happen. You've just done what you said you would do through your servant Moses all those years ago when all of us were standing around and saying, this we will do and let the blood be on our heads and on the heads of our children if we don't. Daniel knows who we are as he comes to the Lord and he knows who God is. And that's an occasion to pray with humility. To recognize who we are coming before God. And yet to pray in confidence. You might say, how can, we, how can we justify those two things? If I come to God acknowledging how great He is and how miserable I am, then how can I have any confidence in coming before Him? And I love how the Catechism tells us and how it directs us to uh, get confidence. We must rest on this unshakable foundation that even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That's the way we can draw near to God with confidence. Because Jesus has opened the way. Jesus has made us members of the Father's family. And has opened the way that we might enter in. And not only be heard, but to have our prayers be answered. To not only be heard, but to be welcomed. I think sometimes we we view coming before the presence of the Lord the way Esther came into the presence of the king. I'm going to go in there and maybe he extends a scepter, maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't, I'm dead. And that we sort of go into the presence of the Lord thinking maybe he'll be gracious to us. Um, And the, the Lord's picture of what he wants from his people is the exact opposite of that. He's eager to see us. He's happy to see us when we come. He's like the father in the parable of the prodigal son coming running to greet us. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. What do you need? Right? Um, That's the picture we have of God. A a, a generous God, a God who who enjoys showing grace, who overflows in love for his people. That's the God who greets us when we pray. The God who loved us so much that he sent his son into the world to save sinners. To save us. And there is the one who saved us, interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. So that when our prayers 
in, in, our, in our own messed up, confused ways, come up to the Father. Jesus stands between the Father and our prayers and says, I'll clean those up and bring them the way they should be. You don't have to worry about it. I'll take care of that. We have someone interceding for us, mediating between us and the Father. So that our prayers come before Him perfected by Christ. That's where confidence comes from in prayer. Not in us, but in God. And that's what Daniel says. Don't hear us because of our righteousness. Because that's zero. Hear us because of your great mercy. That's the confidence with which we can draw near to God's throne of grace and know that we will find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Because we have Christ who has opened the way for us by his blood. And we're coming before the Father who loved us before the foundation of the world and sent Christ to save us. So we pray in truth and we pray in humility, but we pray in confidence that God will surely grant all that we need for body and soul because he's undertaken to do it. It's a wonderful promise of Isaiah 46, 3 and 4. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and will save. You don't need to come before him and say, would you mind doing this for me? He said, I've been carrying you this whole time and I'm happy to carry you further. What do you need? Isn't that wonderful? To think about that access and that glory when it comes to prayer. So what should we ask for? Everything we need for body and soul. Ask for everything. Um, and how do we do that? Well, we have a form for that prayer. We have a form for that prayer in the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we'll continue to think about as we go forward. How do we know how to pray? What do we need for body and soul? And how do we understand those needs in our, the way our Lord has put it in that prayer? But when you pray, remember that God has undertaken to be your God. And to hear and answer prayer, not for your sake, but for the sake of His Son, who loved us so much that He was willing to come and lay down His life for sinners. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, how thankful we are that we can cast all of our burdens on you because you care for us. How wonderful it was for Daniel to hear that he was greatly loved and how much more we understand the, the magnitude of your love by looking in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing your great love manifested in him for us, knowing that if you've given him to us, how will you not also with him give us all things? This Lord, help us to be more eager to enter into your presence in prayer, to ask those things that we need, to ask with boldness, to ask with confidence because of the way that Christ has opened, to know that he's interceding for us and perfecting the prayers of your people, how thankful we are for his intercession. We pray that you continue to move in our hearts by your spirit, that we would continue to cry out to you in thanksgiving and supplication for all the needs we have for body and soul. And help us in those moments of need not to forget to magnify your great name and to thank you for all the many gifts you've given to us, chief of them being Christ and your spirit. So help us grow more in prayer, Lord, and honor you, for we thank you for all that you've done. 
And hear us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.